the main course of today's podcast, uh, the book of Boba Fett. The uh, listeners have been on the edge of their seats this whole uh, intro, finding out whether John's still a toxic fanboy or not. We love Twi'lek baddies in, uh, in, in Star Wars. Exactly, he'll yeah, grow back he'll in a grow couple back. months. Seeing a chef droid swinging his arms around like General Grievous. Unbelievable stuff. Thank you so much, Sean Favreau. Hello there, and welcome to episode 42 of Live from Vader's Castle. Uh, as always, you're joined by your two uh, hosts, uh, myself being John Lee, and I'm also joined by Dan McQuarrie. How are you, Dan? Hello there. I'm good. I'm excited to be back talking more Boba Fett, as always. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it was only yesterday we were talking about the last episode. I mean, it was it was only a few days ago. But still, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was just a few days ago. Last week Boba we did a, on the brain. I know we did a, a super late recording last week, and we're doing an early recording this week, so it sort of nearly overlapped the two. But the things we do to squeeze this in around our life. Yeah, I mean, busy, busy boys. So you know, exactly. we've got to find our time to sit down and discuss all things Star Wars. Exactly. I'll be, uh, I'll be taking a line from Vader's Castle back on the road for the next four or five weeks. Uh, I'm, I'm temporarily moving to Edinburgh for for work on a, on a TV show that I'm working on. So um, we're going to have some 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 more Vader's Castle on the road. Whereas this time, I will have Wi-Fi, so I don't have to pay five pound to get Premier and Wi-Fi just to. <laughs> Just to record a podcast. <laughs> nice. So now I will point this out again, as I did when Dan was on the road last time. This is not a meet and greet. Um, although if you do see Dan in the street, just shout at him. Uh, he will enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, the mysterious face of the Vader Car- Vader's Castle hosts. <laughs> only true only true fans will recognise him in the street, but if you do see him, shout out. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sipping a nice beer this evening as well, John, because it's Friday. I thought I'd have a, oh. have a nice a nice beer whilst I record little uh, little Brewdog. Not sponsored, but I think we might have said it before on the podcast. We'd happily take a sponsorship. Yeah, especially from Brewdog. I mean, I'm I'm still on my dry January, um, which is getting still harder on and harder. It. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's fine like midweek, Monday to Thursday. I, I couldn't really notice, but then Friday comes and I realise I've got <laughs> nothing to do because it seems my entire social calendar was evolved around oh I was trying to go to the pub this weekend or some sort of <laughs> some sort of drink activity. So now I just sit at home watching the new series of Afterlife. Oh, that's a good thing to be watching. I've just uh, I've just this is a completely unrelated Star Wars topic, but I've just uh, just finished watching The Wheel of Time on Amazon. It's quite good. Oh, I haven't seen that after I have to give it a watch. Yeah, you might like many, it. Yeah, fancy vibes. You might like it, John, yeah. Oh, nice. Speaking I mean, of uh, <clears throat> fantastical vibes, <laughs> this is a great segue. <laughs> Before we go on to Boba Fett, I just wanted to bring out the fact that we finally know when Lego Star Wars the Skywalker Saga is coming out. Yes. I we mean, have a date. What fantastic news. April 5th. April uh, 5th. Oh, I'm so excited. It's been, it's been so long. It has. It has. I think we might need to, uh, at some point, to celebrate the release, we might need to stream a little bit of it on uh, on the old live from Vader's Castle Twitch just to uh, give our listeners a little bit of us whilst gaming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and to be fair, <clears throat> looking at the trailer and the like, the I don't know, game play reveal, I don't know if you call it that, but it looks like it's a game that we could sink sink our teeth into. It looks, oh, yeah, looks it like does. it's going to be many hours of Star Wars um, 
and I'm very much looking forward to, to, to playing it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It looks like they've completely reinvented the, uh, the Lego Star Wars gameplay um, from the shooting to the, to the lightsabers to like the open world with the side quests and the, the main story and the skill trees and everything. It looks really cool. And being able to fly around in like the iconic Star Wars ships in Lego form as well. That really, oh, I saw it and I thought, this is the game for me. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, I've, due to games uh, mishap with their pre-orders and stuff, I've, I've already paid for my copy. So uh, I'll be getting the, uh, uh, on the, the 5th through the Royal Mail, I'm sure, or Hermes or something, with my uh, exclusive uh, Luke Blue Milk minifigure, uh, which is very, very exciting. I'm, I'll post be posting pictures of that, I'm sure, when it comes uh, alongside the rest of my Lego collection. Oh, lovely. Yeah, the, the loop with the blue milk. It sounds pretty uh, sounds pretty exciting. I've just seen that they were, they're doing a digital exclusive, which is a, an Obi-Wan Kenobi playable minifig. Um, so I'm trying to balance out whether I want a real-life Luke with blue milk or if I want to exclusively be able to play as Obi a classic Obi-Wan Kenobi look. I've got to weigh those decisions up. That is a that's a tough choice, but <laughs> as I have my Luke's um speeder, my Lego. Oh yeah, that'll true. Look, that'll look very nice with that. So yeah. I, I swung my decision. Yeah. And my final question for you um on, on the topic of Lego Star Wars is they said in the gameplay trailer that you can start on any trilogy you like. Where are you going to be starting? Are you going to start prequels? Are you going to start OT? Are you going to go rogue and start with the sequels? Where, are you, where do you think you're going to start? I think I'm going to go chronological order, like timeline-wise. So I, well, we'll start with the prequels and work my way right, through the story. Yeah. Is how I'm how I think I'm going to do it. I might just be Wait. rogue and I might just you know do it in film release order. So start with New Hope go through the OT, then go back to the prequels, then jump forward to the sequels. Might just go for it. That's the way that uh, the, the, they were released in, in cinema order. That's the way I'm going to play it. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I mean, <clears throat> I've got quite a little while to decide on it. I'm not quite 100% yeah. sure how I'm going to do it. So I have to write, write like a pros and cons list for each <laughs> each way of doing it and see which one we, we come to on the day. Yeah, no, I'm really excited for it. And I think the thing that... Like, I'm really excited for the game and the way they've changed everything. It looks really unique. And sort of all the levels that we probably already played in similar fashion in the previous games will be exciting to play them again where they've been sort of reinvented. But <clears throat> I am really excited to play through the sequel films in, in LEGO form. I never played LEGO Force Awakens, so I've, all three of the sequel films I've never played in LEGO form. So I'm quite excited to to play some of them. I think there'll be some fun missions in there. Um, it'll be cool to see how, like... You know, like the Battle of Crate goes in uh, The Last Jedi and um, in The Force Awakens, you know, with the the, the bit on Takadana with all the um, all the X-Wings flying in. It looks like you can play that bit. So I'm excited to, to play some of the sequel stuff. Yeah, same. I mean, I've never played the sequel Lego either. I mean, Force Awakens has been on sale a few times over the last well, year, I think, especially during lockdown as well. I think it was on sale, but I was always like, no, I'm going to wait for the Skywalker saga to come out and then I can play it all in one go. So I'll be going into the sequel um, Lego trilogy fresh, just like you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a, an exciting game to play and um, I'm sure we'll definitely give it some coverage on the podcast, whether that's a full episode or whether it's just a, a little bit like now where we just sort of catch up every week on what levels we've been playing as we play them. Um, but that's enough Lego talk. Should we, should we dive into to the, the main course of today's podcast, uh, the book of Boba Fett. 
Oh, yes, please. I mean, very excited to dive into this one. Um, a, a very enjoyable episode for me. You'll be pleased to know. I'm sure the listeners have been on the edge of their seats this whole uh, intro, finding out whether John's still a toxic fanboy or not. Uh, so you'll be pleased to know. I enjoyed this episode and I'm looking forward to diving into it. Yeah, I think, you know, even though I still enjoyed last week's episode, I, I, I could see the uh, the some, some of the weaknesses. So I'd call this one, it's definitely a return to form, this episode, I think. A really strong episode. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I think I've I've clocked up three watches between now and when, since Wednesday. So I've, I've definitely sunk my teeth into it multiple times. And um, yeah, I really enjoy it. And we're, of course, talking about Chapter 4, The Gathering Storm. Not to be confused with the wonderful High Republic book, The Rising Storm. Um, it was released on the 19th of January, written by John Favreau, and this time directed by a new Star Wars director, Kevin Tanchoron. Who um who has racked up many years of of genre directing from Agents of Shield to I think he he's, he's done some work on the CW shows like The Flash and Arrow, um so he's worked all over the place in uh, genre television and he was a again like Steph Green a very welcome addition to a uh, to Star Wars I thought yeah he knocked this one out of the park and um there's another another great episode of Book of Boba Fett yeah I completely agree it's always nice getting a new director in and uh, I think he did a really good. Really good job on this episode. Um, so, yeah, I mean, welcome to the Star Wars universe, my guy, and uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing you in future TV shows, films, whatever. That's uh, welcome. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope he um, he gets like another episode of like Mando or something because he definitely he had a he had a good way of of um, shooting some of the action sequences in this uh, in this episode. So, um, yeah, hats off. It's always, as he said, it's always good to get new talent in there and. Uh, as long as they they work well with Favreau and Filoni's storytelling, then it all, all looks good in the, in the end. Yeah, precisely. I mean, I think I think personally, this episode has gone in a, in a in a good direction for me. I think, obviously, as, as the listeners will know, the last three episodes I've really enjoyed um, flashback Bobber. So it was nice to see quite a lot of him this episode. I think it was quite flashback heavy. I don't know the actual breakdown, like percentage wise or ratio wise, but it was a it felt very flashback heavy for me. <clears throat> so I've, I've very much enjoyed enjoyed that. I think everything in this episode has actually improved on last week's episode. I think there was a few things last week where um, I had a few complaints, and then I, I came, you know, towards the end of my rant. So I was kind of like, "Well, we'll see where it goes." You know, I wasn't happy about this, but maybe it will redeem itself next week or something like that. Um, and I think that's exactly what's happened in this episode uh, today. I think well, we'll get when we get into it. I'll, I'll point out the specific bits where I think I've, uh, I end up eating my own words. I'm sure uh, you'll enjoy there, but we'll get we'll get into that in a minute. I'm sure. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think we're probably like a 75 to 25 percent flashback to modern day ratio on this one, which is sort of almost the opposite of last week's. Sort of almost like 80 percent modern day, 20 percent flashback. So it was nice to get a flashback heavy episode. Very much get the sense that this is probably our last flashback episode from. Um, from the comment that his droid made when he came out the back to tank that he's fully healed now. So I thought that was really good. It's was, it was a flashback that I kind of wasn't actually expecting to see the whole, how he found Fennec and how him and Fennec started working together. But as soon as I realized that's what they were doing, I was like, of course we need to see this. We need to see how this relationship between the two of them started. Um, and then it answered those sort of little fun fan questions that, you know, we've all been thinking, how did he get the slave one back? And, you know, why does he want to be a crime lord instead of a bounty hunter? And it answered a lot of those questions 
in not just a fun way, but also quite a, a deep and meaningful way. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed the the flashback segment of this episode. Some some cool action, some some you know, ridiculous Star Wars fun, as we've come to expect, and some some three very deep philosophical campfire chats in this episode. There were three of them and they were all quite deep and meaningful. And then we also had a fourth campfire scene before Fennec was there. So uh, um, when Favreau was writing this, he must've just had campfire chats in mind because he he had a few of them and there's no complaints at all because I like a good campfire chat. And this episode really um, made the most of them. And there were some, some juicy lines of dialogue that came out in this episode that I'm still thinking about to to this day. So um, yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed the, obviously the deep philosophical chats and, and stuff. And I think we got a good sense in this episode of, as, as you say, like why Boba has decided to be a crime Lord instead of, um, instead of a bounty hunter anymore. And, you know, we, we get to find out obviously his relationship with Fennec and how they, it doesn't seem to just be like a bond that's, well, you saved my life. So are you one sort of thing, you know, by the time we see them um, in present day Boba, they've got a really good friendship together and, you know, they enjoy, you can tell they enjoy um, spending time with each other, they bounce off each other really well. So it's nice to see that starting to develop after he uh, after he saves saves our life from the uh, from the, on the Dune Sea. I mean, at first, when it took me a few seconds, or I think I was about halfway through the episode when it finally clicked that when Bobber was walking through the uh, the desert and he sees those flashes in the sky, it, I, it was only about halfway through I, I clicked and realised what they were. Obviously, the um, <clears throat> little flare guns at Bobber and that rich kid was uh, shooting off to get to Fennec. I, at first, I thought they were like shooting stars. I don't know what I was, what I was on, what I was watching. <laughs> oh, but John, it, we, we, we visited that episode so recently on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. We literally watched it like a couple of weeks ago and I, I thought they were shooting stars. And, and then I was like, oh, that makes sense of why it probably took Boba so long to get there as well because he's riding on top of his panther, um, which seemed to walk at two miles an hour. So no wonder by the time he got there, the action was finished. Um, I mean, Mando had had time to obviously get there, subdue Fennec, have a bit of a rest, leave. Fennec negotiates or tries to negotiate with um, the other bounty hunter, gets shot, probably lies there for about two hours, and then Boba shows up with his panther. It's like, Christ alive. <laughs> I think we're talking a full 24 hours that that ride on the panther yeah. was because Fennec dies. No, Fennec. The the flares are at night. She gets killed in the morning and found at night, which means that the, when he saw the flares was the the evening before. So my man has travelled like full twenty four hours on a bamfer <laughs> just to find Fennec, which goes to show, John, you were right. They are the slowest form of travel in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, it just I just can't help but wonder. It's just like we know he had some speeders. Where do they go? He had a speeder bike. You know, he stole four of them. Did they all get destroyed in the, um, in the train yeah. heist. And then if they did, like, did he not go and get more within the, you know, however long he spent with yeah. the Tuscans, you know, it's like, where's your speeder bike? Or was he just, did he just like his banter that much? They I think, I think it's probably a mixture. Together. I think they probably, most of them got destroyed either in the train heist or the, uh, the subsequent attack on the Tuscan, sort of village but then i also think yeah, as we saw right at the beginning of this episode um boba has got quite a bond with his bentha you know he was feeding his bentha um it was quite a cute little scene i mean again 
they seem to do this every week on their show and I, I really like it is they take something in Star Wars that we don't really know that much about. Last week it was the Rancor and this week it's a Bamfer. And they turned around and right, you know what, Banthers are cute. They're they're hungry, they like food, they they bond well with their riders. So it was nice to see that little bit with a with a Banther. But yeah, yeah, we're definitely, you know, looking at this guy and thinking, no wonder it's been five years that you've been stuck on this desert, because it takes you months just to travel anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, precisely. I mean, is this also the first time, or is this where we get confirmation that Banthers eat meat? Because I always just assume they ate plants. I don't know why. They live in a desert and there's never any plants anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, even so know why I thought that they... Yeah, but they're, they're carnivores, official canon right now. <laughs> I think it's yeah. the huge teeth. That look yeah. like they're good for like eating nuts and grass, but apparently not. Well, because we saw them in Mando season two, that like the the Tuscans like clean their teeth with the gaffy sticks. Do you remember that? Um, mm. So anyway, we got a bit of a bit a bit of banter love right at the start of the episode. Um, but basically, to to set the scene, Boba sort of went to stake out Jabba's palace, or actually Bib Fortuna's palace at this point. He realizes there's too many guards, and he thinks, "Oh, we'll come back another time." And then, however much time has passed of him and his banter just chilling. Until, as you said earlier, he spots the flares, and then we get in this nice little tie-in to a season one of Mando with a chapter five, and he discovers Fennec left for dead on the sands of Tatooine, um, and um, which I think was a nice tie-in. It was good to finally get the the confirmation of how that all happened and why Boba was there and what he was doing in that sort of vicinity. So I was excited to see that. And then we got quite an interesting scene, which I'll probably throw over to you because I imagine this is part of your uh, part of some of your reevaluations of last week's episode. We, uh, Boba Fett took the the nearly dead Fennec Shand to a, to a mod parlor in Mos Eisley, which was filled with um, the similar sort of cyborg crew of people that we've seen in last week's episode. They're completely different people, but of the same sort of cybernetic enhancements, um, and that's how Fennec gets that sort of cyborg body replacement that we saw her with in Mando season two. So they've sort of tied Mando season two to episode three to episode four of this show, which I thought was a nice little way to do it. What did you think of that? Yeah. I mean, you are completely right at that. That was one of the scenes that made me um, reevaluate last week's episode. Um, And it made a bit more sense as to one, you know, why Boba gave um, those modders um, like a second chance um, sort of thing instead of just, you know, killing them for stealing water or something. He's like, oh, these guys seem all right. Um, we'll take him under my wing sort of, sort of thing. And yeah, you're right. That's, that scene did improve last week's episode for me. Um, I think, I don't know. I think seeing them again in this episode, I'm just wondering like why maybe we didn't have this. Well, if they did this last week, this flashback sort of thing last week, it might have improved last week's episode even more. But I feel like, you know, Fabro's writing the story. He doesn't, it's not, you know, you've got to take each episode as part of the overall story. Um, so it's probably, he probably did it on purpose, um, adding it in this week's episode instead of last week's, just to make people reevaluate themselves a bit and actually realize that they're watching a whole overarching story and not just like every episode is one. That makes sense. So uh, I reckon he's outplayed us today. He's, he's outsmarted us. He's yeah. made us sit there and think, oh, why didn't you put this in there last week? And then you've actually got to reevaluate how you're watching the show. Yeah. So uh, hats off, John Favreau. There. You may, you, we're playing checkers, you're playing chess. No, I actually completely agree with you because 
it's a very different style of show to Mando because Mando was very episodic, even though there was an overarching story of the series. It's very much sort of like an adventure of the week. Tying into the bigger story was Book of Boba Fett has been very serialised in the sense of it's, well, two stories essentially being told throughout this whole season. So I do think that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's interesting because this flashback is essentially the Fennec part of the story, which you would almost feel needs its own episode. But then the cyborg, this little mod pile a bit tied into last week's episode is almost like if the flashback was running at the same time as those scenes, it might have made the link a bit more clear of, as he said, why Bobber was so accepting of this random group of weirdos on the streets. So now it makes sense because like our, their kind saved Fennec and that sort of thing. But I think it's a tricky one to balance because it would have made sense in last week's episode, but then it would have made sense in this week's episode because it was all about the Fennec flashback. So it's a tricky one to balance, but I think, yeah, because of the way that Disney are releasing one episode a week and because of what we're used used, um, used to with Mando, where we sort of get these episodic styles of storytelling, this is more serialised and I think it just... Um, it raises those difficult questions for the writers and the editors of where scenes fit more logically. But I, I do ultimately think that that this worked really well. And I, I agree with you. I think it's a, a nice way for us to look back at last week's episode and see, oh, that's that's why these, this sort of weird cyborg gang was relevant. Because I imagine the thought process was probably John Favreau bling, like, right, right, who fixed Fennec? Could they also be used in the wider story? And then that's probably where the whole thing sort of... Um, sort of dominoed on so um yeah it's it's a the scene that yeah i i enjoyed the scene and and i thought it, it worked well but i think yeah you're right it raises an interesting thing of just like could it have worked better last week and i guess we'll never know <laughs> no, that's true we'll, we'll never know but i enjoyed the scene it was interesting seeing um seeing how you know he's gone and fixed fennec and exactly like what he's done inside a that's raised a few more questions, I think, for me personally about like exactly what the modifications are. Um, just like in general, I mean, like it seemed like he literally has replaced like her entire um, midsection. So I'm just like, does she still need to eat and drink, or now is it just like, does she just run on like f- fluids? Does she just need a top up of um, like, oil every now and again just to, <laughs> to, to fill her up? Or I mean, just obviously, pop, we just see... have to pop the cap. Pop the cap and <laughs> put the petrol pump in every day. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we see um, she's got like a couple of tubes in it, didn't it? like clear tubes, one filled with um, some sort of blue liquid, which might be like some sort of back to um, like flow or something. Um, and then another one was obviously just like her blood running from, I don't know, the top of the modifications to the bottom, like to her feet or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that they'll put it in a uh, like a Star Wars visual dictionary sort of thing you know like how you have the breakdown like vader's suit I'm yeah that whenever they put yeah. like a, a fennec page in there it would it would hopefully explain her modifications a bit more because yeah. they look really cool but I'm, I'm just wondering on the logistics of it to be honest yeah definitely i think matter, but. it's nice that this show is starting to introduce us a little bit more to like cybernetic modifications in star wars it's obviously been something that's been around from the very beginning you know Obi-Wan Kenobi's comment of he's more machine than man about Darth Vader. So it's obviously something that's been around since 77, but we have some, we have seen it explored in different areas and um, um, with different characters. But this is sort of the first time that we're, I feel like we're really properly diving into it, which I think is really cool. Um, 
And I do think, you know, some of the criticisms about the bright colours and the, the cyberpunky feel of it, I think is valid, but it's, it's, I'm warm into it. I think a few, a few watches of last week's episode and then after this week's episode, yeah, it's, it's warming on me. And I think Star Wars is one of those unique things that can do something really, really weird and out there. And it can feel a little bit off at first, but sort of the more you watch it and the more you get used to it, the more it just ends up feeling like Star Wars again. And I think that was probably the feeling a lot of people had with Ewoks all the way back in the day to, uh, you know, all the all the wacky stuff that George did in the prequels. And I think a lot of this stuff sort of ages like a fine wine. And maybe one day in 20 years time, we'll look back and we'll be like, oh, damn, can we just get more of those cyborg fellas? Because they were cool. Yeah, it's one of those things that I think I'm very, uh, when I just any sort of multimedia that I ingest, um, I get very used to like the the world that you've experienced up to that point in the story and i think you know adding anything new in there is always going to be a little bit strange especially when it doesn't necessarily fit um into the like theme that you've had ongoing but i suppose yeah i I will agree these uh these models are they are growing on me uh they I i thought the scenes that they had in this in this episode were um were beneficial to the episode and that they gave us a lot of extra information about Phoenix, um, like how she survived and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm looking for, I look forward to seeing them in maybe a bit more in the, pro, in the present day now that we've had a bit more time with them. And I'm hoping that they grow on me even more as long as yeah. that guy doesn't say mate again. Um, <laughs> I think we'll be fine. Yeah. Um, although you did, one of your complaints last week, John, was that none of them had B2 battle droid hands. And we finally got it in this episode. We had a guy with a B2 battle, ha- a battle droid hand on his arm. So there you go. Yeah, actually, I do remember watching that or when that came on screen, his arm. I was like, oh, my God, my prayers have been answered. Like, John Favreau has heard me. They listened um, to you, John. <laughs> yeah, like a badass B battle two droid, uh, super droid arm. And then he takes the hand off and he's got like surgical equipment on it, which is even better. Like it's, high, it's cool looking and it's practical. <laughs> it really what I wanted. Yeah, it was really cool. It really reminded me of, you know, the scene in Thor Ragnarok where Stanley cuts Thor's hair. <laughs> like it really reminded me of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's um, a good shout. But yeah, no, it was a, it was a cool scene. It was a, it was a nice sort of way to bridge that gap of how Phoenix alive. So yeah, overall, there's not much negative for us to say about it. Um, and then after that, we went on to the first of our three fireside chats that we had in this episode, where Fennec and Boba officially meet for the first time. Um, and what I did think was interesting about this was that Boba knew exactly who Fennec was. Probably no surprise because she was a you know notorious assassin. And then Fennec knew who Boba was by the name Boba, not by his face. So obviously she knows Boba from seeing him with his helmet on for all these years. Um, clearly, he, you know, back in his prime bounty hunting days, he wasn't taking his helmet off. But does that make me think that they've actually met in person, just helmet to face instead of face to face? Or does she just, has she only ever just heard of the legend of Boba Fett? Um, I guess that's something that may get answered in the future, maybe in the Bad Batch, if she meets young Boba in the Bad Batch, who knows? But um, I thought it was interesting that they sort of, had this established mutual respect for each other because, you know, she was like, oh, Boba's dead. So she obviously knows Boba. He knows Fennec. I thought it was a nice little introduction between the two of them there. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting scene. Um, I do agree. I, I think that obviously 
Bob has heard of um, Fennec Shang for any many of her impressive jobs, I'm sure, or anything like that. And she's obviously heard of Boba Fett because, you know, he's like the most famous bounty hunter in the galaxy. I feel like if they had met, it might just be like, you know, when Jabba gets all the bounty hunters to stand around in his palace looking looking cool. Maybe she likes to throw him across the room, which is why uh, she'd only ever seen him in his armour. Um, but then, as you said, that raises the question of, you know, we know Fennec Shan was around um, just, you know, in Bad Batch, which is obviously set literally just after the Clone Wars finishes. Um, so I'd be very surprised that in her time before that, she'd never come across a clone before. Um, so it's interesting that she shouldn't make any comments of this. I mean, uh, I feel like that's something you would mention if you'd see a guy standing right in front of you who claims to be Boba Fett and you'd met clones in the past. You'd just be like, no, you're just like a clone maybe. Um, or like, yeah, nice try, but you know, Boba Fett's dead. Don't stop trying to claim off his fame. Like you're just a regular clone sort of, sort of thing. Yeah. So I'm interested. I was interested. She didn't say anything about that. So maybe, maybe in her time as a bounty hunter, she was too, too underground to come across a clone or something like that. But um, I thought it was interesting. There's definitely more, more history there. I think they were both letting on, but mm-hmm. keeping their cards close to their chest. I think both of them were. Yeah. It's nice to see that they've both at least heard of each other and that they're both notorious enough to have that mutual respect, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool how they sort of like bonded over this idea that they were both left for dead on the sands of Tatooine. Like, I, I like that Boba said that about himself and then he sort of said, just like you. And, um, gave her the black melon to, to begin to heal. Um, and she was obviously just like, I'll pay off my bounty, whatever. And Bob was like, don't care about money. Uh, I want you to help me steal back my fire spray gunship. Now, I've seen a little bit of, as you must have expected, the discourse about this to be much bigger than it actually is, at least in the circles I've seen, no one seems to actually care, which I don't really care either. Um, so in my head, this is absolutely fine because like, if I had named my little Fiat 500 Stephen and I said, oh, I need you to help me get my Stephen back instead of get my Fiat 500 back, you know, do you know what I mean? I feel like, you know, if you're, if you're asking someone for help, you've got to specify what model it is as opposed to what the name is. So it didn't really bother me. I feel like Disney haven't changed the name. They've just said, look, this is a name that we're just choosing to use a little bit less, but it is still the name of the ship. It's just, we're going to sort of use the fire spray name a bit more, which doesn't, doesn't really bother me at all. I think it makes sense within the the context of the story. Um, so, but I, it didn't seem to blow up the internet like I thought it might. So I guess maybe Styles fans are healing a little bit. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I was worried um, that would kick off when I heard that line, <clears throat> just because it seems, you know, it's easy these days to, uh, to annoy a Star Wars fan. Um, or a toxic Star Wars fan, at least. It's, and obviously, as we've mentioned before in our, one of our podcasts, you know, they're, they're always the loudest on Twitter. So it's easy to find that sort of stuff when you come across it. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen anything. Not that I really tend to pay attention or look for it. But as, as I completely agree with you, that makes sense in the context of what he was talking about. You know, she may have heard of Boba Fett, but I don't think his ship is anywhere near as famous galaxy wide as he is. So if he'd obviously been like, I need to go get Slave One. She might be like, what? What's that? Considering there's uh, our slaves in Star Wars, she might be like, are you referring to your number one slave? Um, you know, sort of thing. So, yeah, so she it, might it have makes just, sense in the context. Yeah, she might have shot him then and there, you know, Phoenix a principal's <laughs> woman. She might have turned around and just shot him for, you know, having slaves. So Bob was being practical. He was talking about a ship. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it, it, was, a, it was a good first um, campfire scene 
And I think it, it, it definitely like helps the relationship build between Bobber and Fennec. You know, they're, they're still like wary of each other, especially Fennec. I think Bobber's just a bit couldn't care less. Um, sort of thing he knows that he she owes him but i think fennec's still a bit still a bit cautious at that at this point about um what bobber wants to do you know and, and if she can trust him sort of thing so it was, it was an interesting discussion over the over the campfire yeah definitely and then from that we uh we get the uh the sort of the, the build up to the the palace heist i guess we can call it um where fennec sends her little probe droid looking thing into the palace to to scan through you know all the Gamorian guards and the Nictos and figure out how many guards they've got which I thought was a cool little scene it sort of reminded me of Darth Maul's little uh, probe thing or a bit bigger than that obviously probe thing that he had in the Phantom Menace and obviously we've seen a lot of probe droids over the time in Star Wars but it's, it's interesting to see that this one's a lot smaller so maybe this is like the the high-end model on the market you know the you know, as the iPhones got smaller and smaller, they used to. Now they're getting bigger and bigger again. But when it was cool for stuff to be smaller, maybe that's the the trend that Star Wars was going through at that that time in the galaxy. Um, it's got this little small probe thing, which is really cool. But then, but then they have another another uh, campfire chat, um, which I think is is one that raises some some very interesting interesting things. Of um, Boba has the line about that the, the Tuscans took him in. And he was ready to leave it all behind in terms of bounty hunting. And um, Fennec obviously makes the comment about how, you know, we don't get to, you know, people like us don't get to leave that that, that life behind. But I think it was really interesting that seeing Bobber's perspective on his time with the Tuscans, and obviously we heard him earlier on talking about how he feels guilty for the Tuscans getting killed by the Nictos. Um, and here we see that, like, you know, his time with the Tuscans made him just want to give up being a bounty hunter and he was just happy to be in the tribe and he was quite content until that all got stolen away from him. And now he's come back with this new sense of, you know, purpose and he makes the comment of, um, I got tired of idiots. Um, well, I can't remember what the exact line, but it's essentially like, you know, he's fed up of idiots getting him, getting people like him killed, you know, stupid rulers like Jabber or Bib Fortuna buying bounty hunters to do stuff. And all it do, does is results in bounty hunters getting killed. So I thought that was an an, an, an interesting um, bit of dialogue from Boba there. And I think really diving into why his opinion and why his viewpoint on the world has changed so significantly. And I don't think anyone in that really can, after watching this episode, can turn around and say like, this is too different. Like Boba just doesn't, the change doesn't make any sense. Because in my opinion, they've laid it down right in front of us. They said he's been you know, made a Tuscan prisoner, then became part of the tribe of the Tuscans, got taken in, got joined this family. His his viewpoint changed because he realized there was more to life than being this solo bounty hunter. You could be part of a tribe and sort of essentially live in peace. And then when that was all taken away from him, he was like, right, I, I can't go back to the old ways, but I can change things. And I think I think it makes a very logical progression of his character. And I was I was really happy with this scene. I thought it was really interesting. And um do you agree, John? Did you are you liking what they've done with his character and seeing how this little scene here sort of ties the two timelines together? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean I completely agree with everything he was saying from like his point of view is obviously as Fanich said, bounty hunting isn't bounty hunting isn't really something you can just like retire from. You know, you either well, you kind of just go out in a blaze of glory at some point um 
So obviously, with everyone thinking Bob is dead, it's it's a, it's a nice way to restart his life um, with the Tuscans and and obviously being given the opportunity, he wanted to seize it um, with just spending the rest of his life, you know, with the Tuscans. It, it seemed quite happy, and as you say, that's been taken away from him, so he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to go back to the old ways where he used to just be, you know, a bounty hunter and stuff. He's he, he's better than that, and he he's completely right at the fact that you know he um, it's utterly pointless for him to be a bounty hunter and just go out on other people's whim to go get killed uh, for someone else, you know, entertainment or money or whatever. And um, I mean that scene, to be honest, really it made me think about um, that the the last comic we were talking about for Bubba, like War of the Bounty Hunters. I mean it sums up what he was saying completely. He was sent out to go get a, do a task for Jabba the Hutt. Didn't quite complete the task hundred percent straight away. So then what does Jabba do? Sends out every other bloody bounty hunter to kill him. And it's like, you know, I can imagine him sitting there at that campfire being like, is this how I want to live the rest of my life? You know, I take a couple of days longer to bring a bounty home. And then I'm like, I'm, I'm on a death. I've got a death wish for like the next week and a half or whatever. I've got bloody put up with, fighting almost having to fight Chewbacca Darth Vader's lurking about trying to kill me plus I've got killed I've got boss trying to kill me all this stuff it's like he's it's, it's definitely just like fed up of this and he thinks you know what why am I going out and being there like whipping boy sort of thing I can be on top and I can I can do this myself I don't need to take orders from anyone else I'm better than that now yeah so I completely agree with everything he says and it's it's nice that he wants to bring Fennec on as well you know show her the light she doesn't have to be you know, doesn't have to take orders from anyone else anymore. She can, she can be just as, just as notorious as him, and you know, top of the food chain sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a nice little connection to War of the Bounty Hunters, and I was feeling that as well. And I think the other big thing I was feeling was just him reflecting on his his near death. Like, I think it's something that obviously we laugh about in canon of just like the, the silly way that Boba Fett went out, but from his perspective, he must have been thinking I was there doing that stupid job for Jabba of just defending him from his own pride and his own overconfidence. And, you know, he ends up getting attacked by this Jedi and I'm the one who has to deal with it because I'm the bounty hunter. I'm on payroll. And what does it get me? It gets me nearly killed by a blind man. And I think if like, if you're Boba reflecting on all that, you're going to think, you know what? Screw this. I don't want to be a bounty hunter anymore. It's stupid. We'll get bossed around by idiots. I've had enough. And obviously we'll go on later to the other campfire scene. May as well. Let's just bring it up right now because it ties together. And then the other campfire scene, he makes a point that, um, you know, we're smarter than that. Him and Fennec, he's talking about, they're smarter than that. They're smarter than these idiots who send bounty hunters off to their death. They're also stronger to them than them. And it's about time that, you know, his kind by bounty hunters, he means, you know, take over and, and, and are on top. And I think that sort of just makes perfect sense for who we know Boba is as a character. And I think part of it is obviously you know, quite selfish reasons. Like, you know, Boba wants to be in charge. He doesn't want to be bossed about um, by idiots like Bib Fortuna. He wants to be on top because he is, at his core, quite a selfish character. But his time with the Tuscans made him a bit more selfless, you know, because he he, he joined the tribe. Um, and I think there's that constant battle within him of, you know, the, who who he is at his core. And I think these, these conversations he has with Fennec really highlights that. And I think my favourite favorite part of this whole episode my favorite line is when um he's sort of talking about you know 
Fennec should join him because he'll be loyal to her and he'll have her back and that's more important than money or whatever and I think that was a really cool line but Fennec turns around and said oh the Tuscans have made you soft and then oh the direction on this was oh chef's kiss like the music was like that the Boba Fett chords like kicking in and it was like slow zoom into his face and he was like no they made me strong you can only get so far without a tribe I thought that was such a cool line I think it ties into everything that everything that George Lucas has been saying about Star Wars from the very beginning that you know connection with other people and you know being part of a family is the most important thing you know found family is an aspect of all three trilogies you know being part of something bigger is obviously a part of all three trilogies as well whether it's the council the rebellion the resistance so I think it's something that obviously is at the very core of Star Wars is this line of like you can only get so far without a tribe um, and how Bobber has finally realised that just being on his own ever since his father died has not served him well, and he could, and he is now stronger because he accepted that he would, would rather be part of a tribe. And because his tribe was murdered, he wants to form a new tribe, a new family, and this is obviously with Fennec and you know his Gamorian guards and all, all these people who becomes his new family. So I think it's. Um, just a really, really classic Star Wars theme of family and connection. And also I think it turns around to all those haters who say, oh, Boba Fett's weak now. And, you know, he's literally saying to their face like when they're saying, oh, Boba's soft now, he's like, no, I'm stronger. And the reason he's stronger is because he, he has realized what makes you strong is, you know, the people you have around you, not, you know, your own solo strength. So, um, yeah, hats off to, to Favreau on, on the writing on that one. That was a, a scene that really hit me, and I was like, damn, that's some good Star Wars writing right there. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I find it, <clears throat> as you say, I find it very difficult to find anyone um, after watching this episode to to disagree on the path that Bob has found himself on, um, you know, and the explanation as to where he is or why he is the way he is now. I, you know, I think I think John has, has written that, um, perfectly especially in this episode uh with the with the dialogue you've just been talking about as you know and i think i think it's very clear watching if you watch it so properly that bob has you know gone on a sort of you know spiritual journey as you say and he's found himself and he's realized what is actually important in the world and you know what he needs to take care of and and prioritize instead of just you know money notoriety and looking tough uh sort of thing so yeah, I mean, very good writing from from John Favreau, and um, I think it it perfectly works for me as to why Bobber is, you know, the way he is in the in the present time. You know, he's, he's not the same Bobber that we've that we've seen and known in previous Star Wars multimedia. But um, I think it's a very interesting character journey that he's going on, and I think it's been written and explained very well by John Favreau. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. I think um, yeah, it's a really really effective scene, and I, I love the way. I mean, the music in this show continues to be really good in the sound design, but I loved how, you know, him saying you can only get so far of our tribe sort of built into the the Boba Fett music, the one from Mandalorian, not not the new one. And then it sort of flashed to sort of um, him killing Bib Fortuna and taking the throne and that idea that like, you know, Fennec just called him soft and he was like, no, I'm strong. And then we see the ultimate sort of visual cue of his strength is that moment of him just seizing 
the the throne for himself and showing that you know yeah i might you know i might be soft in the sense of you know i believe in looking out for people but actually i'm strong and i'm still boba fett and i think that's a, a real clear mission statement of just being like yeah this is a different boba but it's also the same boba you know it's just a more mature more so oh, i don't know what the right word is definitely more mature but more sort of idealized i guess boba who's seen the world for what it is and has, has changed his ways so yeah i thought it was um super effective and i could go on and on and on about it but you know tied tie that to like the rancor scene from last week and all the stuff with the tuscans from the week before and it's yeah some really really good character writing for boba fett also carried by some fantastic performance from our boy from our boy tem um i think i just have to mention the line because we forgot to mention it i'm sure you loved it as well when he's like go find other benfers make lots of benfer babies <laughs> he's the goat we love tomorrow morrison <laughs> yeah that line did, did make me laugh we, we do indeed love tomorrow morrison so I think the range of uh, action he's shown in in this show so far has been been very impressive. You know, he's, he's the funny comical guy, as we just uh, literally mentioned in that scene. In that in that scene, he's uh, the intimidating, um, you know, Boba Fett when he wants to be, and then um, other times he just looks absolutely like bloodthirsty. You know, you know, you know his facial expressions when he's fighting, as we've mentioned before. I mean, what a guy! So we're very lucky to have such a such a great actor playing the playing the legend Boba Fett. Yeah, he is. We loved him. Should we? Should we talk about the palace heist? Um, yeah, the palace heist was some great classic Star Wars action of like really weird stuff, some funny stuff, some sort of silly childish stuff, and some gangster action all all melded into one. Which to me is exactly what the original Tatooine cell barge scene from Return of the Jedi is like. So, so I, I was a big fan of this. Did you? Did you overall like the little palace heist? Yeah, I did. I completely agree. Actually, it is very much like the uh, like the barge scene in in, uh, in the original trilogy. You know, just just things happening left, right, and centre, chaos, and then just sort of random Star Warsness in 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 every in every second. So yeah, it was it was a good good scene, and it was um it it started off you know obviously with very in very in, uh, intense with the little scraps with the robots and then the little stealth bits to the ship and then the final um the final scene of the heist as they're stealing the ship was i to be honest i actually thought the way it was going to go was um they wouldn't be able to get the ship out and they'd have to come back for it later so um i was really on the edge of my seat thinking whether they'll make it out or not with uh with bobby's ship so it was a good good level of intensity and just star wars craziness yeah, Fennec Shan kicking some serious ass as well. Yeah, she was. She's. I mean, to be honest, I think I don't think Boba did much. To be honest, in the in the in the heist, I think most of it was Fennec just showing off her badass badass nature yeah. after after a recent surgery as well. Oh, that's one that. Yeah, she only just had a had a stomach replaced with cybernetics. She's still out here kicking ass. Yeah, and it took Boba like a couple months of uh, back to to get back to his full self. Fennec's one black melon, and she's ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it was it was great watching her in action i mean that final bit at the end when she's like uh and she was like shut the shut the door like i've, I've got this something like that and to me i even though the camera zoomed in on the um like weight that was keeping the door up i had absolutely no idea what she was going to do i was like i had no idea what she had planned i thought she was going to like be left behind she's gonna have to go open the door herself but now she's calm calm collected she just 
wanders into the ship, pulls a gun off, shoots it, out they go. I mean, what can't this woman do? She does like a flip over the Nikto guard that she's fighting to like slam him to the floor as well. Yeah, I mean, oh, she's she's unbelievable. I thought thought some of the fight scenes he had in that Bad Batch against um, Cad Bane were cool. Um, you know, obviously, animation is obviously a lot more grandeur than live action usually. But I think, I think they were just as just as impressive in this episode. You know, watching a fight and and everything. I think, yeah, I think Shand is is really coming into her own in this in this show. And I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing more action. Ah, I agree. I hope she stays around for years in Star Wars across different shows and stuff. Because yeah, she's a, she's a kick-ass character, and there was some you know her just sort of sniping falls left, right, and center, and the little punch out with the Gaborian guard on the side of the Slave One and. The, the moment that was awesome for Fennec, but I also feel a little bit sad when she blew up the gonk droid and, and the explosion just caused them all to go flying. Yeah, I thought it was some cool stuff in there. Yeah, I mean, RIP that gonk droid. Yeah. That is, a, that is a fallen soldier there, but it pulled off in a nice scene, so we'll let it slide. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do just have to briefly talk about the kitchen scene because this was, in my opinion, this is everything I love about cheesy, silly Star Wars. It was so good. <laughs> I mean, I will talk later about the the general grievous droid, but come on, seeing seeing a chef droid swinging his arms around like General Grievous, unbelievable stuff. Thank you so much, John Favreau, for giving us the weirdest possible Star Wars you possibly can. Brilliant. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was. It was mental. The, the all the droids were just. I I thought it'd be like a scene they'd wander into the kitchen, quickly take out the droids, and then just you know like off they went but now the droids were up a fight that that chef droid was was something else well, i mean when you put the um obviously i saw the photo on our instagram page and it was like um obviously i saw jack replied in our chat and it's like spoilers and you're like spoilers about context and i was like oh, what on earth i hadn't seen this episode but this point i'll still work um and I was like, what on earth could this be? I was like, is there some sort of like general grievous reference? Or like, is like, is he back somehow in this episode? <laughs> and then as soon as I saw that joy with his spinning arms and the knives, I was like, all oh, right, that's what that is. The grievous of the chef's hat. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, I really liked it. And then I thought the little rat catcher joined was so funny as well. <laughs> it was just the like there was just something so funny about seeing the ultimate badass in the galaxy, Boba Fett, chasing a little tiny droid around a room. <laughs> like I thought it was just so funny and so silly and so oh, just brilliant Star Wars quirkiness. Yeah, I think I think it was when the the droid like wandered in that uh, got me. Like he just like kind of just like slowly <laughs> crept into the room with like a net, like you're trying to be like intimidating. <laughs> no, I was just like, what on earth is happening here? <laughs> uh, I thought that was that was perfectly written and obviously like uh, beautifully done in post-production with the little he just the way he just like slowly creeps into the room as if he's trying to be like intimidating and threatening to obviously what he assumes <laughs> is going to be a rat <laughs> and then go oh, up against Bob and Fennec like, oh my god and it's the fact that Bob and Fennec like hear footsteps coming down the corridor so like jump around the wall to like hide so they can like jump out at it it's just the tiny little <laughs> one foot t- one foot tall droid Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Be perfect, perfect level of comedy in, um, yeah. in an otherwise serious show. Yeah. No, moments of levity like that is what always makes Star Wars. I think Star Wars always got to go from serious to lighthearted and a constant sort of roller coaster. And it's something that George Lucas mastered. And I think it's a legacy that's long continued. Yeah, 100%. I think um, 
is something no, no matter how serious a Star Wars show is it's always appreciated like, yeah. I'm, I'm always here for it yeah absolutely um, well we can we can jump to a moment which is definitely less funny which I think might be I mean last week John you were saying that you were after some bod- badass Boba Fett action and come on surely you got it this episode with Boba Fett flying the slave run across the sands of the Dune Sea of Tatooine blowing up the, the Nikto speeder bike gang jeez what did you think of that Oh, that was beautiful. So what I wanted is, I mean, I'd seen a sort of, let me say that again. <clears throat> I'd uh, seen a few things on Twitter yesterday, today, that summed up beautifully for me. It was like, um, it was, I think it was like a meme of like, when you hear Boba Fett's like blasters, like the ship's blasters again, and it was like some meme of like a chef's kiss and all that. And I was like, oh, just hearing that, that noise as the, he's flying along just, gunning those boys down i was like yes this is is fantastic stuff oh that that shot of just that shot of like the speeders the speeder bike guys just going along which was in the trailer and i was like oh what's this about when i saw the trailer and then you just slowly see the slave one appear in the background oh beautiful stuff so good oh yeah that was so good just seeing him like a bit appear it was like a little dot in the sky and then slowly it's getting bigger it was like a it had like the same intensity as like a scene from Jaws or something. Yeah. It was oh beautifully shot, perfectly done. Yeah. Unbelievable. And the, the music and Tem's expression on his face as he just blasts these evil nick toes up. Oh, so good. And the little look that he like gave Fennec afterwards when Fennec was like, Yeah, fair play. <laughs> and he was just like, Yep. They crossed me, they killed my Tuscan brothers and sisters. They deserved it. Yeah, I mean he God butchered them. There was no no one walking away from that, and I bloody enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. No, this is. I think this was one of the one of the things that I'm thrilled that they gave us because I think seeing Boba Fett do badass things is is important. Something we know and love about Boba Fett, but I also think it has to make sense for the story. And this is something that absolutely 100% makes sense. You know, even though Boba Fett is a changed man, he is still someone who is hungry for revenge on the people who wronged him and his tribe. And the fact that he just took so much joy in just obliterating all of them in such a badass fashion. I thought, yes, that was so Boba Fett, so perfect and fit with the story so well. So yeah, I loved it. Yeah, me too. It was, uh, it was nice to see Boba Fett fly on his ship again as well, actually, to be fair. Um, obviously we saw a little bit of it in Mando, but it's nice, nice to see him back in Slave One. Um, you know, iconic ship from Star Wars. Although, to be honest, I, I I don't know why I thought he would lose it again in like the following scene with him and the Sarlacc bit. Like I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like, he's losing the ship again. Even though we see it in the Mandalorian, which is obviously set afterwards, and I was just, but I was like, on the edge of my seat. I was like, oh my god, he's gonna they're gonna be eaten. <laughs> it's complete stupidity from me, but oh, fantastic um, stuff. I'm glad you mentioned it because that that Sarlacc pit scene, oh. I'm sorry, when, when I was thinking about the most ridiculous things I would love to see happen in the book of Boba Fett, one of them was him dropping a seismic charge in the Sarlacc pit. I was just like, it will never happen. It's way too stupid. It's way too ridiculous and over the top and fan service for him to ever do that. But I would just kind of love him to do it. And then somehow John Favreau turns around and writes this scene that doesn't even feel that fan service It is completely ridiculous and over the top and hilarious, but also makes sense for, you know, the Boba Fett's like, where's my armour? He's probably going to check the last place he remember having it. So the whole thing I just thought was, oh, it was so good. And just, you know, we love the noise of the seismic charge, but seeing Boba Fett 
dropping a seismic charge into the Sarlacc pit. Oh, un- incredible. Someone told me back when I watched Return of the Jedi for the first time that in 20 years' time I would be watching this. I'd, I would have said, no chance. It's never going to happen. But it did. So thank you, John Favreau. Yeah, I mean, first off, like um, the scene, the, the shot where Bob is like shining his torch into the, into the pit. One, again, my level of stupidity, I was like, bloody hell, this pit's massive. How's he got in there? But then realised he was just hovering above it with his torch on. Um, and then two, when the you know, like beak of the Sarlacc came out, I was this, um, this scared the shit out of me, I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> it really got me seat. as well. <laughs> yeah, because for some reason, I just thought it was dead. I like, killed it when he escaped, you know, with the flamethrower and everything. Um, but obviously not. And then, again, on Twitter today maybe um someone had posted a picture of uh, like a cross-section image of what it looks like from underground um and it's i'll see if i can find it i'll put it on the um if i can find it i'll put it on the um instagram story. yeah i know the one you're talking about yeah it's really booty yeah. like a sarlacc underground yeah huge yeah, yeah. and then it's labeled so it's got like a little cut in it where bob has escaped and it's like oh he's had to dig like 30 feet out of the ground for it but I don't know why I thought the thing yeah. was dead of the stuff at the size of it, it was oh, the arrogance of me so cool like, yeah, oh, that, that yeah. beak did make me jump <laughs> and yeah. him just firing the blasters into the sand like going absolutely nowhere but him just like firing the blasters I just thought was so funny yeah I mean I think he would have eventually cut down through the sand to the Sarlacc but I don't know how long that would have taken yeah, about 10 minutes later probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then Fennec reaching for that button I I don't know why but I generally also have no idea what the button did but I'm sure there's a lot of people that are watching it who just automatically were like oh that's got to be the the seismic charge like go on let's, let's go again really hyped for it and I was like what on earth does this button do I was like is this like a booster or something is this like a like a, a, yeah. a instant reverse button like, <laughs> I was the same and then it just cuts to the shot of the seismic charge popping out the hole and I was like <gasps> yes <laughs> Yeah, it was unbelievable, and then, and then I don't know. Again, I think it's just my stupidity. Like as she, um, as Fennec like unbuckled her seatbelt, and then she obviously went sailing to the to the glass, which is obviously the floor. I was like, oh, that's a bit of a drop. I thought she'd just unbutton the belt, reach up, and press it. And I was like, oh no, that's because Bob's ship. Gravity, John. Spooky. Gravity. <laughs> Gravity and Bob's ship and spins and, and does weird <laughs> things. So it's not not quite unbuckling your seatbelt in your car because you can't quite reach the uh, the toll the toll booth to put your money in. Not quite that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought it was a yeah, it was a really cool scene. Um, I do think it was one of those scenes where like it was a bit ridiculous. But I think John Favreau knows how to come so cli- close to the line of being too ridiculous, but never quite crossing it. And I think this is a scene that did that perfectly. Like seeing the slave one, like upside down, basically looking into the Sarlacc pit and dropping a seismic charge was just so weird and Star Warsy. And yeah, I'm so here for it. Mm. What I also love is once the uh, bomb's gone off in the Sarlacc pit and Bob is trying to escape um, the pole is that he then puts the, the thrusters on like full and like it cuts to a shot of the back of the ship of like the thrusters like powering up and they're just facing the wrong way to the way he's moving. It's just like, oh, space, Star Wars, that sort of stuff. <laughs> no idea how it works, but fair enough, we'll allow it. <laughs> and the absolute brilliant tomorrow Morrison delivery of don't touch my buttons. I just absolutely loved it. Uh, it was just, Fennec literally just saved his life and 
these so much pride these just like don't touch my buttons <laughs> yeah great great stuff i mean yeah I, as you said like a silly scene but it was great and i enjoyed it very much yeah yeah definitely um should we quickly jump to uh, the modern day there wasn't a not wasn't a huge amount of stuff in the modern day um but we boba came out of his um his back to pod and his little droid fella said that you're fully healed, which I thought was a maybe a, a line in the sand of you know flashbacks are probably over now because Boba I don't imagine is going to spend much time in the back to anymore unless he gets hurt. And then we have um, we'll come back we'll come back to the the sanctuary scene a bit later because I know for a fact me and you are both going to bring that up with our standout characters. So let's push that one to the side for now. Um, we have the fun Godfather esque. Um, family dinner when he, he gathers the the aqualish the Klatuinians and the trandoshans and threatens them with his rancor and basically turns around and says you know I, i'm not asking for you to fight with me against the pikes i'm just asking for you to back off and stay neutral and not betray me to which they all agree and you know see the mutual benefit in the whole thing i thought that scene was really cool really godfathery um and I got, I got, I liked, I liked that it was going that way. It was nice to see Boba in that role. And it, in comparison to say some of the stuff of him in the beginning of the show, where he sort of felt like he was a little bit out of place. This time, he really felt like he had a good grasp on being the daimyo. So I, I, I did like that scene. But oh, John, we have to talk about it. Final scene of the episode: them talking about rounding up the muscle, getting getting the credits ready to hire the muscle, and that beautiful sound. Na, 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 plays the Mando theme. Oh, we're going to be seeing Mando next episode, surely. Yeah, surely. I'm so excited for that. <clears throat> I thought, again, I think I'd seen something in the in our chat, maybe or on Twitter during the day, because unfortunately, I have to watch Boba Fett after I have come home from work. Um, down the capitalism, um, and uh, yeah, I, I thought it would be a slightly subtler. Just from like the things I'd seen on Twitter, I think, and uh, stuff. But no, I, it was a full on just that's it. Like Shabam, that is the Mando music. Like yep. that has got to be a hundred percent confirmed yeah. Mando. Mando next episode. Yeah, now. they're not being subtle at all. <laughs> like no. they're being like, yeah, we're talking about muscle. Here is the not just the one single note, but literally a good thirty seconds of Mando's theme playing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'd be, I mean, I'm very excited. It'd be interesting to see one, you know, what Mando's up to. Mando's up to these days uh, now that Grogu's off training with Luke. Um, two, you know, he's, obviously he's still got the dark saber. Uh, you know, I want to see like what just where he's at, what he's doing. You know, what badass nature is he up to these days? You know, mm. I want to see some cool dark saber action if he's still got it. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be great. I think seeing Mando next episode. Yeah, I think my question is: Is Mando going to come to him, or is Boba going to go to Mandalore to get Mando? That's my question because I want to see Mandalore. Ooh. I feel that's not a bad shout. You know, I feel like we've kind of set up. I mean, there's only like three episodes left, isn't there? So I feel like, <clears throat> yeah, I feel like this could be set up so Boba goes to Mandalore. There's a big, big bit of drama of that because obviously. Uh, I don't know where the Mandalorian government still stand, but obviously since Clone Wars, uh, there's a few lines in Clone Wars that alluded to the fact that they don't like Boba very much or they didn't like Jango very much because he claimed to be Mandalorian and wore the armor and was not um, sort of thing. So I can imagine there's some drama there maybe then. And then that sets up 
Bobber recruiting Mando and then the final two episodes might be you know the final showdown between Bobber and the Pikes that's been yeah. alluded to in this episode so I think that that could work and um uh, if, if that's what happens and I'm, I'm excited for it yeah yeah we'll see where it goes I mean I'm just excited to see Din Djarin again like you know who would have thought that this character which is who's you know only been around in Star Wars for two years just like hearing a couple notes from his theme gets the whole world so excited about seeing him like you know in the same way that we get as gassed about you know hearing Luke a Luke or a Han you know this is a this is Mando this is a big character everyone loves him so I'm excited to see him as you said excited to see what he's up to and what his place in the story is going to be and how he's going to serve Boba Fett's story. Um, but I tell you what, John, I'm excited about Mando, don't get me wrong, but the uh, the possibilities that this conversation opens up about the fact that, you know, Boba's essentially trying to hire a suicide squad to get himself ready for the the war with the Pikes. That's got to mean Bosk. I'm, I'm saying it right now. I'm putting my cards on the table. It's got to mean Bosk, surely. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I'm just thinking, yeah, all the other people we could be recruiting for this. I mean, you get Mando, you get Bosk, and I suppose if you get Mando, you might end up getting like a Bo-Katan with you or something, especially if Bob is, um, if Mando is on Mandalore, then I feel like that's probably where um, like Bo-Katan and a few other maybe the Mandalorians are, so maybe we could see them as well. Maybe a little Dengar. Um, yeah, maybe Ooh. a little Dengar. I'm trying to think little, of... Little, little Forlom, little Zuckus, little Cad Bane maybe. Nah, Cad Bane of- he, he, he'd want to kill Bobber if they, it was the two of them were still about, but well, who knows? Yeah, I feel, I'm feeling like there's got to be a little cameo from Taika Waititi. There's got to be like a, a droid, an assassin droid in there somewhere. Oh, yeah. Maybe, you know, hire a few of them, get Taika back to voice that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm loving it. I think the th- the reason that I, I know I've been going on about boss courageous, but the reason I'm standing on my boss, because obviously we'll get into this, but <clears throat> the the fight with Chrysanthemum and the Trandoshans. I think is obviously a really cool scene. It's sort of establishing a bit about Chrysanthemum's character. However, I think it was, I think it meant more than that. I think this was John Favreau reminding audiences that Trandoshans and Wookiees don't get along so that when a very famous Trandoshan appears in the next episode, him and the Wookiee are not going to get along. That's my theory is that the reason they had that little scene is because Chrysanthemum is going to fight with Boba and Boba's going to recruit Bosk and then Chrysanthemum and Bosk are not going to be happy about the fact that they've got to work together and they might have to have a little scrap of their own. So that is my wild prediction. But I want to see Bosk. But then if I see Bosk, Chrysanthemum and Bosk are going to have some beef. So who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. That would make sense to be fair. I mean, from a storytelling point of view, especially because... As Bob Book of Fett, such a big show, it's probably drawn in on quite a lot of more casual Star Wars fans. So this definitely sets up um or could be setting up some sort of conflict in the next episode between Bosk and uh and Chrysanthemum, as you say. So good shout. Good shout. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm really excited. Just I think because you know what Favreau and Filoni are like. They love any opportunity to drag in some of those classic iconic background characters of Star Wars and even though all those bounty hunters have had a lot of life in television and comic books books and the expanded universe legends they haven't really been expanded on in live action so I think come on it's Favreau Filoni they're gonna look at that lineup of bounty hunters from Empire Strikes Back and think we gotta sprinkle a couple of those boys into the book of Boba Fett They've set it up perfectly at the end. You know, there's Boba's got loads of credits to hire muscle for this fight. He's going to turn to some of those classic rogues from Star Wars. And um, I'm really, really excited about it. And I think 
I don't think it will just be like a fun cameo game of who's who's going to appear. I think it will serve Boba Fett's story really well because this is a man trying to distance himself from being a bounty hunter and what happens when he gets dropped back in the mix with all these bounty hunters from his past. Is he still able to be this new man that he wants to be or is he going to get dragged back to old habits? So I think it will serve the story really well if they do go down that line. So I don't want to have wild expectations because I want to appreciate the story that they give us. But come on, Favreau. You're hiding Bosk up your sleeve somewhere. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, so far, all of the like the, the cameos we've seen from characters in, in, in John Filoni and Dave, um, in Dave Filoni and uh, John Favreau's, you know, like Star Wars Universe um, TV shows, you know, they've all been very true to the story. You know, I'm pretty sure Dave or John have said it in the, in the gallery interviews. You know, they don't just throw things in there for no reason. You know, when they put Boba Fett in, Mando, it made complete sense. When they put Ahsoka in, it made complete sense. When they eventually got Luke in, it made complete sense. You know, they don't just they don't just throw in characters for for fan service. You know, as we've as we mentioned before. So, I think it would make complete sense um, to have Bosk and a few other the the elite lineup from from Empire in the show. And I definitely feel like when they do eventually drop them in this in this series, it's going to be it's going to be very satisfying and will make complete sense to the story. It won't just mm. be a random cameo for the sake of a cameo. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, I think it all makes sense. It's all tying into that underworld and this sort of big mob war, which is about to kick off, which I think is a really cool way for this series to escalate. You know, this is being four episodes essentially of building up Boba Fett's character, setting the, the, um, the world of the, that we're now in. And now we've got three episodes left to really crank it up to, you know, deliver on some of those exciting action moments that people have been waiting to see. So yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm going to put out there, John, I, st- I still don't believe that the Pikes are the big bads. Like in my head, the Huts ran away scared. I don't think they're running away scared of the Pikes. I, th- I still think there's someone pulling the strings behind the Pikes. I'm putting it out there. I still think it's Crimson Dawn. I might be wrong. If if I am wrong, I'm not going to be disappointed because I think it's, you know, a far-fetched theory. But I still think that there's got to be someone, you know, the puppeteer behind all of this. And uh, I don't think it's all the Pikes. I think that they're using the Pikes as a nice front. Um, but I do think that there's something else going on behind the scenes. And we shall see. We shall see what happens. <laughs> I know you definitely mean Thrawn when you say that as well. That makes <laughs> you definitely oh, don't even get me started. The oh. There's definitely the puppet, the puppet master is well, puppet master. Oh. It's got to be. I mean, it doesn't got to be, but if it was, I'd oh, I'd be a happy man. <laughs> yeah, again, though, I mean, it's not it's not that far fetched, and I feel like if anyone could make it work within the story, uh, Favreau and Filoni would would definitely do that. So mm. if it isn't, it will be a bigger story, I'm sure. And if it is, it will be even, even better. Still hoping for Kira. Still hoping for Kira. Um, one last thing I want to mention um, before we dive into sort of our favourite characters and start to wrap this episode up is because we're sort of talking, you know, predictions and wild theories. Did you see the interview with Tamara Morrison and Ming Na Wen talking about Ewoks? Uh, no, I've seen clips of this interview, but I don't know if you've seen them talking about Ewoks. Yet. So they're talk- they're talking about cute. Star Wars creatures it's like a little BuzzFeed quiz and they're like which is your favourite cute Star Wars creature and Tamara Morrison goes oh Ewoks they're cute I liked working with them oh, oh Tamara <laughs> you just you've given it away is he, is he just is he just giving away that the big bad of the series is actually the Ewoks <laughs> they're the ones that have been pulling the strings the whole time 
Oh, Wicket yeah. and uh, Logray and Pat Blue, they're the ones who've been pulling the strings. <laughs> yeah, and C3PO is like the actual master. Like they're still the worshipping C3PO and they're, they're pulling the strings as some sort of criminal mastermind. Um, I don't know if he's just given something away that they're somehow going to run into Ewoks at some point in the series. I don't know or if this is another secret project that he's worked on with Lucasfilm that we don't know about yet, but I just thought that was really interesting that he... Him and Mignar Wen were just openly talking about Ewoks as if they knew them personally. And I was like, okay, are we going to see Ewoks yeah. in the book of Boba Fett? Because I can tell you what, as someone who is a lifelong defender of Ewoks, as a, a, a huge Ewok fan, as Ewoks being the, one of my first loves in Star Wars, I would be very excited if we see Ewoks in this show. Yeah, it would be cool. I mean, I don't know where they'd be or what context it would be. Yeah, why would they be on be Tatooine? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> the gun on holiday. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking, forward, looking forward to seeing if they're in the next week's episode. <laughs> right, should we, should we dive into our standout characters? Um, yes. I'll go first because I think logically my one will work, will work better first. So my standout character of the episode is a Black Crescenton. It was it was great to see him back in this episode. I'm glad that last week wasn't the last we saw of him. Obviously, we see him in the scene that me and John haven't really spoke about so far, which was Boba Fett heading to the, the Sanctuary bar um, to, I assume, to find him. And we find Black Crescenton sat, sinking a few beers, having a nice chilled out evening until he spots some, uh, some nasty Trandoshans making a lot of noise in his bar. And as we know about Wookiees and Trandoshans, they hate each other. Trandoshans hunt Wookiees for sport, so Wookiees hate Trandoshans. So let's just say Black K loses it a little bit, and uh, he has this brilliant fight with the Trandoshans and tries to get try. Uh, Garth Whip tries to talk him down, and you almost think for a minute that he's going to listen to her, and he says absolutely not, and rips the Trandoshans' arm off, which is something that we see Wookiees do often in Star Wars. So. I, you know, I, I said it when we first saw Black Chrysanthemum in the background. That he's a character that I love from the comics. So excited to see him in live action, and I love what they're doing with his character. And I just thought this scene was so pitch perfect for this this character of, you know, no one can talk him down when he decides that he wants to rip a Trandoshan's arm off. He's going to rip his arm off, and I just loved his inclusion in this episode. It really, really memorable scene. When I've rewatched the episode, every time I see it, I just get excited again. I want to see. Black Crescent and swigging a few beers and beating up some Trandoshans. So I really love that scene. And um, I love the implications that Crescent is now going to, as we see it towards the end of the episode, is now joining Boba's, Boba's team, I guess. He's, he's joining Boba. He's going to work for Boba Fett because he's out of work. And uh, Boba Fett let him live. So I think as a Wookiee, he's probably decided he's all right. I'll, uh, I'll, if I'm getting paid, I'll do some work for Boba. So I really liked that. And uh, anytime I think this episode, I just think of Black Crescenton ripping a Trandoshan's arm off and I, and I love it. So, yeah, he's definitely my standout character of the episode. Yeah, nice. An excellent choice. And I mean, <clears throat> that scene, uh, again, rectifies one of the complaints I had last week about um, uh, Black Crescenton. You know, I was hoping he'd be used again. And obviously he has been. So, again, I'll eat my words. Um, I've also realised, literally halfway through talking about this podcast, um, that he ripped the Trandoshan's arm off, which obviously is very painful, I'm sure, and very annoying. But it, in the long run, it doesn't really matter because he just it, it, the Trandoshan will, will grow it back. So yeah, exactly. I think if, if anything, um, I think everyone was 
overreacting slightly when yeah. they were trying to talk him out of it. I mean, he's got nothing got the to complain about. Exactly. He'll yeah, grow back he'll in a grow couple back. months. He'll, yeah. Yeah, he'll, he'll grow back. Um, as, you, as you said, your uh, stand-up character leads nicely onto mine. As you mentioned there in your in your discussion there, um, my stand-up character was uh, Garza Foyt. Uh, and just for the stand-up reason of, one, stealing the screen every time we see her on uh, on screen, which is always fantastic. It's always a, a pleasure uh, whenever she uh, she walks onto our onto our TV screen. Um, but also just for the her character's sheer ability uh, in this episode to just stand up and talk to one of the most intimidating Wookies um, in well on the in the universe. Obviously, um, she she stands there trying to talk down Black Santin from ripping off the Trandoshan's arms, and I think her monologue was was fantastic about you know how um, Santin's obviously. Um, a very notorious gladiator. He doesn't need to prove himself. You know, he's above this sort of thing. And I, I think she, her, her arguments for obviously less bloodshed in her bar were fantastic. And I, I think it's, it really shows she's a strong, a strong uh, owner of this bar. You know, she doesn't take shit from anyone and uh, she's more than willing to go up and talk to one of the most notorious gladiators slash bounty hunters in the galaxy and basically just tell him to grow up and stop being such a little baby. Um, I think was just fantastic and uh, stole the stole the scene for me. Even though mm. there's like an eight foot Wookiee there about to rip a Trandoshan's arm off, I think she, she absolutely stole the scene. Yeah, so good for her. Yeah, I agree. Great the the performance of uh, Jennifer Bills is the name of the actor. Performance is great, um, and yeah, I mean, you you know, we loved we loved we like baddies in uh, in in Star Wars. And uh, Gosseth Whip is definitely one of them. She's killing it. So, yeah, that was a brilliant scene. And she did have my favourite line of the whole episode, which was the simple line of hit it, Max, at the end of the episode, at the end of the scene, after the, the bars return to normal, and she gets her boy Max Rebo to, to get back on the tunes. Um, so uh, shout out, shout out her. And obviously, as always, shout out the, the goat himself, Max Rebo, for his, his brilliant musical performance again. Mm, yeah, fantastic! Lovely to see him. We missed him last week's episode, so it's yeah, uh, lovely did. to see our boy Max. Max, yeah. we back. Good to see him back. Should we? Uh, should we talk about favorite background character? Yeah, cool. yeah. Do you want to go? I'll let you go first, John. Go on. Ah, oh, thank you. Um, my background character is one that will be especially uh, good nod to uh, to music fans, uh, especially those um, if you're a fan of, you know, like uh, Mac Miller stuff like that. You you um, you recognize this fella straight away. Uh, and he is the uh, the modifier in the uh, in the mod bar in um, the scene where Boba takes Fennec Shan to uh, to get healed, and that is because he's played by none other none other than Grammy winning Thundercat. Uh, so that was, I thought as, as soon as he turned around with his yellow hair, I was like, oh, that's, that's Thundercat who's played some unbelievable bass lines, as I'm sure, in some of your favourite songs. Uh, and uh, it's got nothing to do with Star Wars, but if you haven't given him a listen, please do. He's got some absolutely fantastic music, and it was. Lovely to see him make his first appearance in Star Wars. Um, I doubt he'll get many other roles because I think it's a very niche <laughs> niche role he's been in here, which is why it's absolutely perfect for the background character. So great to see him. And uh, yeah, fantastic that he's in the world of Star Wars now. Yeah, so I hadn't noticed it until you said... Um... And uh, as a, a cool character, as you said, he had the he had the super battle droid arm as well, so he ticked all the boxes for you. Musician with a super battle droid arm, so you couldn't really ask for anything more, could you, John? No, exactly. I mean, he is like one of my favorite um, musicians. Um, he is unbelievable on the bass. 
Um, if you watch TikToks, you might recognise one of his tunes. It's one that goes like or something like that. You'll recognise it on TikTok. Uh, so, <laughs> so shout out to Thundercat. Right, that's a good one. And uh, my favourite background character, um, probably no surprise to anyone, is the uh, the General Grievous Chef Droid, um, because I mean, come on, just a chef droid. I mean, the fact. I mean, we have seen a chef droid before in Star Wars. I think it was in a Clone Wars episode that we've seen one of these droids before with the multiple arms chopping. Um, obviously, that's cool. Weird Star Wars goodness. Brilliant. I liked it. But the fact that when, as I said earlier, when Mando walks in the room, he takes a couple steps over and you're thinking, oh, this looks a bit weird. The way he's walking, he's got all these knives. What's he going to do? And the fact he starts spinning his arms around like General Grievous and his lightsabers. Unbelievable stuff. Absolutely loved it. As I said earlier, it's just weird, silly, wacky Star Wars. And uh, it was right up my street. Um, and exactly what you look for from a background character in Star Wars. You know, something that's just so weird that it would only fit in Star Wars. You put this anywhere else and it would just be the most bonkers, stupid thing ever. But in Star Wars, it just works perfectly. And it's such a brilliant nod to a, an iconic meme of a character being General Grievous. And I was almost expecting <laughs> Boba Fett to turn around and just say hello there in his thick Tim Morrison accent. But maybe if we did that, I would have pushed a little bit too far over the line. But um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant little background character. And I hope we, <laughs> hope, I hope he gets fixed. I hope Boba Fett, when Boba Fett took over the palace, he actually uh, welded his neck back together after Fennec slit it, and he is still the chef droid for Boba because he's a, he's a great noble warrior. Yeah, it's a great, great scene. I hope we see him again as well. I think I'm hoping we see him again, um, and then maybe we'll get the hello there line just from uh, from Boba as he's like wandering through the kitchen or something. Um, I think that would that would be that would set Twitter alight. Uh, I think on the Star Wars side of what, what, what Star Wars side of things, that would be unbelievable. Imagine if he like showed up in Kenobi, <laughs> like Kenobi, <laughs> Kenobi randomly has to go to Jabba's palace for something, and like he just bumps into the chef droid and he starts spinning his arms, and he's like, "Oh no, not again!" <laughs> oh, uh, God. That, that might borderline fan service. That yeah, that would be too much. <laughs> yeah, It'd be too that. much. <laughs> but yeah, overall thoughts, John. You like the episode then? Yeah, great, <clears throat> great episode. I mean. uh I'm back on back on the bobber train now. I was I was at the door contemplating getting off. I mean, my joke, and I'd, I'd never get off. I was I was still firmly in my seat after last week's episode, but now I'm now I'm, I'm in for the ride. I'm here for the full journey. Yeah, exactly. Much not, forward to not getting off this train until it runs off the end of the tracks. Exactly. I'm I'm waiting for the announcer to be like, "This is where this train stops. Please yeah. go." Yeah. No, I agree. <clears throat> really great episode. Even though, as I said, I enjoyed last week's episode more than most, I still think this is definitely a return to form for the series. I thought brilliant um, debut direction from Kevin Tanchoron. I thought it was a really strong episode, great flashbacks. I mean, it wasn't quite something that we actually got a lot of time to get into in this episode, but just the way it really develops Fennec Shand and Boba Fett's relationship, I think was really good, really interesting. Um, I think they're, they're a great dynamic duo in Star Wars, and I think... Uh, Something that I'd wanted after the first three episodes was more time with Fennec. And I think this episode gave us that. So I really, really enjoyed it. And um, I mean, the way that it's, it sets up next week's episode with Mando coming. Oh, what a way, what a way to end the episode and what a way to, to make us wait a week for, uh, for the return of everyone's favourite Mandalorian Din Djarin. 
yeah, I'm, I'm very hyped for next week. I'm trying not to um, get my expectations too high because obviously that was, as I said, that was my downfall for last week. But um, I am very excited and I'm, I'm sure all the Mandalorian Boba Fett goodness will be, be straight on my screen come Wednesday. Yeah, yeah I think I'm going to have to like just turn all my social media notifications off next Wednesday because I'm not going to be able to watch next week's episode until like eight in the evening. So I'm going to have to try and avoid all spoilers, everything all day long at work, uh, which won't be too hard because I'm never on my phone really. But, you know, just in case, I'm going to have to turn the notifications off. Can't have anyone messaging me being like, oh my God, Bosk arrived. It's like, shut up. Don't tell me. <laughs> yeah, so I think I must leave my phone at work. At home, sorry, I'm going to work. I don't need yeah. it. Yeah, don't need it. Who needs a phone? Right. Well, that wraps up our uh, our coverage, our recap, our review of episode four of the Book of Boba Fett. We're past the halfway point now, John. We've only got three episodes left. Um, so if you've if you've been enjoying our Book of Boba Fett coverage, please do uh, follow our podcast, or subscribe to our podcast, like it on, on on the app that you use, so you don't miss an episode. Um, as, as I said, we've got three three left, and we'll be uploading them around about the weekend, maybe a day or two after. Just depends how, how stuff goes with mine and John's other commitments in life, but we'll, we'll be getting these episodes out every week. Um, and keep up to date with our, us on social media. We're on Instagram at Live from Vader's Castle. We are on Twitter at Vader's Castle Pod. We're Live from Vader's Castle on YouTube, TikTok, Twitch, all over the place. Um, so give us a follow. Tell your friends. Tell everyone about us. So, uh, so we'd love to welcome more listeners to the show and, um, yeah, that's everything from me. John, take us away. Hit it, hit it, John, just like Gosseth Whip said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, thank you much. Uh, thank you very much for listening guys. And we'll, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.